Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church, North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. As I said, we we dive into finances and we dive into generosity every year at this time of the year because it is such an important subject in the scriptures. Let, Let me frame this up for you. The Bible has over 800 verses about money or money management. Over 800, everybody. We, we, and, and I think the reason for that is because of this. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. And this is why God and, and his word speaks directly to what is happening in our life. The number one cause of worry and anxiety. Do you know what it is? It's money. The number one cause for anxiety and the number one cause for worry that we face in this world is money. I think that's why God talks about money. And that's why I believe his word talks about money and money management over 800 times in the scripture, because I believe God don't want you to be worried about money. I believe God doesn't want you to be anxious about money. We also have learned through research that 75% of people are worried about money all the time. You ever met someone that's worried about money like all the time? The people that are so dominated by the thoughts of money. Some of you that are going to look at your bank account at some point during this sermon, you're so concerned about your money. (laughs) Speaking of money, did that check clear? So speaking of money, how are my stocks doing? Speaking of money, how much do I owe? At some point in time, um, you may even dig into that even during the sermon because you're so dominated by thoughts about money. And, And here's what money will do to people. It'll produce Three fears. These are, when we talk about people being anxious and having a lot of worry about money, it's because of these three things right here. They're worried about living paycheck to paycheck. There are some people that do, that, that, that have never learned how to have any savings or surplus. Constantly living paycheck to paycheck. There are people that, 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 that live with the fear of being in debt forever. They don't know what it's like to pay a bill off. They, they don't know what it's like to cancel out a debt. They don't know what it's like to, to pay something off and keep it paid off. Sometimes we pay something off and we're like, on to the next credit card. Let's go. Let's max it out, baby. And, and, and so, so there's some people that have this fear that they'll never be there. And it leads to this place of having a fear of never being able to retire. Never being able to retire. And so I want to talk about that today. I want to dive into that today. And I really want you to take notes because like I said, I'm going to hit you with seven pillars of financial wisdom. Today's a note day, all right? Last month, we were talking about vision. Last month, we were talking about building walls. Last month, we were talking about worship. I mean, we preached, didn't we? We had a good time. How many of you enjoyed our last series, Shovel and Spirit? Did you have a good time with that one? Today, we're going to get very practical and I want to help you. I want to help you, and I want you to be wise about your money. And this is what I know. Some of you that are already getting stank eyed, the people that don't like talking about money are typically the people that don't know how to manage their money. I've never met a generous person have an issue talking about money. It's usually the people that have that church, all they want is my money. You ain't got no money to give. Why are you talking like that? You're broke anyway. You don't go to the church just to talk about No, we don't always talk about money. And listen, we're talking about worry and anxiety here. And I don't want you to live with worry and anxiety. So we're going to talk about that today. And I hope you take some good notes. 
I hope you take a lot of good notes because I got a lot of stuff to hit you with. First, let's talk about this Proverbs and Proverbs verse 8, verse 12. It says this, I wisdom, somebody say wisdom. Live together with good judgment. I know to, where to discover knowledge and discernment. In the cha- eighth chapter of Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs talks about being wise. He talks about wisdom. And as he writes about wisdom, he personifies wisdom. And so if you read the eighth chapter of Proverbs, we're not going to read it all today, but I highly recommend you read the eighth chapter of Proverbs because it talks a lot about wisdom throughout there. But wisdom takes on a voice. Wisdom takes on a person. And, and, and wisdom says, I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. Do you want to know what wisdom is? It's making the right decision at the right time. You ever made the right decision at the wrong time? It's no longer the right decision, is it? You ever win the wrong battle? Where you're like, I won that fight. You, run, you won the wrong fight, so you still lost. Wisdom is making the right decision at the right time. I didn't get this on the screens, but Proverbs 8, 17 says this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. So tell your neighbor wisdom can be found. Wisdom is not just some abstract concept. Wisdom is not this person that you can run and chase and never get a hold of. Wisdom is not only, uh, not, not, only is wi- not only will wisdom, is it available to find, but it's meant to be found. Uh, uh, it's meant to be found. I believe God wants you to find wisdom. Last verse here, Proverbs 8, 21. Those who love me, wisdom, inherit wealth. Somebody say inherit wealth. Come on, somebody. Those who love wisdom will inherit wealth, and I will fill their treasuries. So in Matthew, so here in, in Proverbs 8, wisdom takes on a voice, and it, and it lets us know that if you look for me, you'll find me. But, but, but you have to be a person that wants wisdom. There's people that don't want wisdom. There are a lot of people that aren't concerned about chasing wisdom. There are a lot of people who don't want to make wise choices. They would rather make choices based on their feelings. Whatever feels good right now. Whatever feels good in the moment. And, and so we'll make poor financial decisions because all of our decisions are based on how we are feeling in that moment and not on what is a wise decision to make. And so this is going to be our leadoff verse here in Proverbs 9.1. Wisdom has built her house and she has um, hewn seven pillars. Wisdom has built her house and she has hewn her seven pillars. So let's dive into our seven pillars of financial wisdom. Number one, write this down. Somebody say vision. You have got to have a vision for where you want to go. And I'm talking about life. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about what are the goals that you have? What has God called you to do? Do you know what they are? Have you written it down? Do you have personal financial family? Do you have a vision for all of those areas in your life? Listen, if you don't have a vision, you will go exactly where you just end up somewhere. If, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to get nowhere real fast. You know what I'm talking about? You've got to have a vision for your life. You have absolutely have to have a vision for your life. When you have a vision for your life, it'll help you to say no to good opportunities so you can say yes to God opportunities. We'll say that one more time. When you have a vision for your life, it'll help you to say no to good opportunities so you can say yes to God opportunities. Because not everything that's a good opportunity is a God opportunity. But when you have a vision for your life, you are able to discern, is this a decision that's going to get me to where God is leading me, is this a decision that I am making that is going to take me to the place that God wants me to go? Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no revelation, vision, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. 
When, when, when people don't have vision, they run around doing whatever feels good in that moment and they become someone they never intended to become. They arrive at a place they never meant to arrive at simply because they were not led by a vision for their life. And you have got to have a vision for your life. You have got to have a vision for your marriage in every season. Have a vision. In every season, have a vision. My wife and I, we're, going, we're, we're about to go through all kinds of changes. And, and as I've been reflecting, I've been thinking about how everything that we have been going through is exactly what God had put in our hearts to do many, 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 many years ago. My wife and I, we, we haven't done this in a long time, but we had this annual tradition, and it was before kids. How many know that things were easier before kids? I love you, son. But 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 we had we, we had this thing that we did where we would get we would go to a we would write our vision down and we would go to a bookstore and we would pray about it. But but I started thinking about all of the things that we are seeing in our life were directly related to our visions that we cast. Do you remember that baby? We would go to Borders or Barnes and Noble and we would sit in the sit in the bookstore and we would write out our vision. And I'm seeing that happen now. Why? Because we had a vision for our life. But here's the next thing you gotta do. Come on, somebody say hard work. Hard work. Let's put that down. The, the famous uh, Peter Drucker, he's the father of modern day management. He said this. Now, the problem with vision is that it boils down to hard work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you can have a vision, but you don't want to work hard, so you ain't going to see it. I ever met someone who's like, I got these big goals, Pastor, but you're lazy. I don't believe you're going to accomplish anything. Some people are like, I, I, I read this the other day. It was, it was so good. It said it th- some people like a prophetic word, but they don't want to do the prophetic work. Just want the prophet to come prophesy over my life. He does, but then you don't do anything you're supposed to do to make that come to pass. We think that it's just simply having a vision and everything will follow. No, the vision is a starting point, but what's next is you have to work hard. Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen says this. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Those who work their lands, tell your neighbor, you have got to work your land. What God has entrusted to you, work that thing. If, if, if God has entrusted you with the business, work that thing. If God has put you in a business, work that thing. If God has given you a gift, use your gift, but work your gift. If God has blessed you with the ability to do something, work that gift. The writer says those who work their land will have abundant food. We want to live in abundance, but you'll never see abundance if you don't work hard. And, and just because you have a vision, if you don't have the work ethic to go with that vision, all, you got, all you're going to do is chase a dream. I love this Proverbs, Proverbs 24, 33 through 34. It says this, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. <laughs> oh, man, that, that, that proverb speaks to me. Does that proverb speak to you? Saying, you get a little comfy. You're always trying to live the good life, always pretending to live a life that you really can't pay for. And before you know it, poverty is going to jump on you because you were always fronting, always acting like you had the money that you didn't have. Uh, always trying to do it for the gram. Always trying to do it for the like. Always trying to do it for the follow but you're not really working hard to make those things come to pass. So you've got to start off with a vision for your life, but the second thing that you have to have is you have to have a good work ethic. How many know that a good work ethic is, 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 as, a, is a trait you got to have for your life? you got to have a good work ethic. Number three, pillar number three, stewardship. Somebody say stewardship. What is stewardship? It's a very Christian word, but it simply means managing someone else's property 
or belongings. Managing someone else's property or belongings. And here's the deal. You think that money's yours, but it's really God's. I got real quiet in the tent. That's my money, Pastor. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything that dwells therein. Let me help you. You will start to see. I, I really am trying to help you, Lighthouse Church, okay? If, if you don't settle first and foremost that this is God's money that he has entrusted to me, you'll never treat God's money the way you should. But if you can get to this place where you say, this is God's money, it's my job to steward it, then you get to this place where all I have belongs to God. Every good and perfect gift descends from the Father of lights. And, and, and if I accept that what I have belongs from God, then I need to manage well what belongs to God. You, you see, I can't make frivolous financial decisions if the money's not mine. I can't buy the car I can't afford if it's not mine. I can't, I can't buy the house that I really can't afford if I treat the money like it's God. I can't wear the shoes, wear the clothes, have the impression that I'm trying to put on if I don't get back to this place where I realize it all belongs to God. And it's my job to steward the money. Proverbs 27 says this, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. It's saying you have got to take care, you have got to steward the resources that you have. Listen to me, if you don't have a budget, you get to the end of the month just waiting for that next paycheck. If you don't tell your money where to go, it's going to go. It's going to go. I spent how much at Starbucks? My God. I spent how much eating out? I spent how much on clothes? I said, I said what, what did I do? You got to know the condition of your flocks. Make a budget. Stick to it. And listen to me. If you don't know how to budget, and if you're like, Pastor, I, I, don't, I hear this word budget, but, but I don't even know what that means. Um, listen, l- let me just say this. First and foremost, do not be embarrassed because we don't do a good job in our culture of teaching people how to manage money. We just don't. We don't. And then secondly, if, if you didn't have a parent teach you this, if you didn't have a father or a mother or a grand uncle, if nobody taught you this, you'll never learn it. This isn't something that happens by osmosis. You actually have to seek it out. <laughs> I just thought I'd do better if I went to that church. The, the pe- everyone that goes there, they look like they're doing good. Let me just show up there. We'll help you. So, so all that to say, if you're like, I don't know how to budget, come talk to me. I will, I will gladly teach you how to budget. Talk to one of our pastors at the church because I can say this about all the pastors they manage their money well. That's part of the reason they are a pastor. Right. They, you, they can make smart spiritual decisions because they make smart, tangible decisions. Yeah. They can manage well what they can see. Therefore, we trust them to manage the things that are unseen. So talk to some of our pastors. There's great people here, but, but listen, there's no shame in it. If you're like, Pastor, I don't, I don't know how to budget. And the reason I get all finicky when you guys start talking about money is because I never have money to give anyway. So I get all restless. I'm like, I don't want to talk about money. The church wants my money. No, I don't want you to have anxiety, and I don't want you to live with worry. So talk to someone if, if you're like, I don't know how to budget. We will help you budget. But, but you have to start off with a budget, and that's how you begin to steward not your money, God's money. That's how you'll begin to steward God's money. The next pillar, somebody say investment. investment. Stewarding what God has given you 
is taking some of it and investing it into accounts that's going to bring you interest. I know this is very practical today. I know we were shouting last week, and I know we were like, let's go, vision, worship. But, 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 but listen, I've never seen so many people's worship affected like, a, like $0 in the bank account. <laughs> worship gets real quiet on a Sunday when it's like, you ain't got no, no money in the bank. Um, invest in your money. And, and, and that's why we say here at Lighthouse Church, we are investing into eternal difference. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. And the reason we're going to talk about tithing next week, and this is my, my real quick commercial. Pastor Sam, the lead pastor of Lighthouse Church in Chula Vista, is going to be preaching next Sunday for me. So show up for that. That's going to be incredible. And he's going to really dive into tithing and offering. But here's the deal. This is what I've learned. More people would tithe and more people would bring an offering if they could get their budget under control. So that's why I'm talking about that right now. I want to talk about this first because I really genuinely believe there are people in this tent right now. They're like, Pastor, I really want to give. I just don't know how to manage my money. So let's talk about money management first. That's what we're talking about, how you can make smart financial decisions. Okay, that's why I put that at the front because I believe there are some of you that would, you want to do more, but you don't know how to manage your money. So we're talking about how you can be wise with your money. So let's talk about investment for a second. Don't spend everything that you bring in. Amen. Pastor Josh has no problem talking about this at all because I take care of my stuff, okay? What God has given me, the, the resources that he has entrusted to my wife and I, we have served him with the money. And every time, every time we, we, we needed God to do something, my, my conversation with God is, God, if you do this, then I will do this. If you will do this, then I will do this. And I'll talk about some real personal stuff in just a moment. But, but I have no problem talking about this and no problem talking about investing because I've seen just how powerful a tool investing is. But you cannot take every single dollar that you receive and spend it. You have to set some money aside and invest it. This is what Proverbs says here in 2120. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp there's down. A foolish person consumes everything they bring into the home, but a wise person, they store it up. Listen, you're like, I, I don't know how I can say, start with a little and add. If, if, if you can only, you know, there's a very good principle of 10, 10, 80. You know what I mean? If you can bring 10 to the church as a tithe, save 10% of your income and live off of 80%, you're doing well. And take that 80, take that 10% that you are saving, diversify that thing. Don't just put everything in the bank. Throw some stuff into a 401k. Throw some stuff into a Roth IRA. Throw some stuff into the stock market. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. But listen to me, invest the resources that you're God has given you. Give him something to multiply. You, you've not even given, God wants to supernaturally increase your finances, but you've not given him anything to multiply. Nothing to multiply. I mean, let's get super practical right here. How many people made some money off of GameStop in 2020? Where are my GameStop cash people at? Come on, my, my man right here. Where are my GameStop folks at? There's a few of you here. Do you guys remember in 2020 when GameStop was going bananas? I remember, I, I've got a guy that helps me, Christian guy, and we are walking step in step with how to manage my money, and, and I remember in March of 2020, pandemic hit, he bought a whole bunch of GameStop shares, and I, I didn't even know what he was doing. I just trust him, and then I remember December looking at my GameStop shares and speaking in tongues and dancing around the house and running the aisles in my kitchen. I gave, I gave money over to a place where God can do the miraculous. 
I mean, who would have thought GameStop was going to hit like that? That was insane. But, but there, was, there was money invested, and so God was able to do a miracle. God was able to do the miraculous because we put money in a place where it could be. Some of you, you want God to bless, and, uh, bless your money, but you've not invested it anywhere where he can actually bless it. And I believe he will supernaturally bless your finances if you can actually put it in a place of investment. Let's talk about the next pillar here. Somebody say generosity. generosity. All right, I love this one right here. As God begins to bless you, remember that it comes from God. Okay? But listen, still live open-handed. Let me, let me talk to you about open-handed living. All right? Everybody hold out your hands like this. Do this for me. Humor me, all right? When God gives you a blessing, do not do this. Thank you, Father. <laughs> You, 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 you gave me, a, you gave me a, a beautiful financial return. Thank you, Father. It's my money. Here's what happens. When, when, when you consume everything God gives you, when you act like it's your money, when you stop shepherding what is God, when you start, stop stewarding God's money, and you start living like this, here's what happens. If you live open-handed, you, which means you are generous with what God has given you, and if your hands remain open, you are positioned to receive more. When God blesses you and you do this, it's mine. I'm not giving to the church. Heck no. I'm not getting no year end offering. Forget that. We didn't have to buy a church. We could have rented forever. <laughs> Says the person not on the portability team. <laughs> if you do this, guess what? God can't give you more because your hands are closed. Somebody say open-handed living. Be generous, Lighthouse Church. Be generous with your finances. Proverbs 11:24. Give freely. And become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Oh, come on. That's in the Bible, y'all. That's the same. I mean, you believe the Bible for miracle signs and wonders. You believe the Bible for all of that stuff. But, but when it comes, get that verse on the screen. Come on, Beja. We got to track with me. I want them to see this. I want them to see this. I was over here thinking it was up there, but it's not up there. Are we frozen back there? The devil is a liar. I'll read it to you. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. Give freely. And become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Some of y'all wondering why you don't have enough. It's because you're stingy. You don't bless anybody. You don't live by the principle of blessing anybody. Proverbs says that. The generous will prosper. And those who refresh others will, will themselves be refreshed. It doesn't have to be big. There was a young man that went to college, and I remember going to college, and I remember what it was like my first semester of college and my first year of college, and I remember always being broke. I mean, I lived at the Jack in the Box 99-cent menu. I mean, that was my choice right there. I, love, I mean, it was like $20. Come on, that's 20 trips to Jack in the Box. Let's go, somebody. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and so, you know, this young man went away for college, and every... Um, Every first, every first of the month, I sent him 50 bucks on Venmo, and I said, coffee money. I was just trying to be generous because I know what it's like to be there. I know what it's like to be broke. So I did it very quietly, and it was just something I gave to him. But every, every, every first of the month, I sent him 50 bucks. Not even my, he's not my kid. I didn't have to do that. I gave him 50 bucks every single month. Why? Because I'm trying to be a generous person. I'm trying to live generously. There's what I give to the church, and there's what I give to the people and the family of God. And listen, if you live generously, write that down. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25. Go home, write that down. Some of you will put that in your mirror. <laughs> Maybe put it in your wallet. <laughs> on your phone, make that your lock screen. So before you pay for that coffee, you ask, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. 
Next thing here, somebody say emotional health. Stephen, come up here. I'm, I'm, I'm just about done. Somebody say emotional health. That's the next pillar. Think about how you approach money emotionally. We have an emotional attachment to our money, right? Have you ever meant the, have you, have you ever meant the, 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 the spenders and where are the savers? How many of there can be extremes on both sides? There's some people that save everything. They ain't been on vacation. They got enough money in the bank to pay for 10 of them, but they ain't been on one. Just got to save my money, save my money, save my money. It's like some people put, you know, money away for a rainy day. Like you're putting your money away for a rapture. You know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) and then you got the people that spend everything. Spend is like always, always have to have the latest phone. Always have to have the latest thing. Always have to have the latest. Always. There is an emotional attachment to our money. And, and, and if you go one way or the other, you can really find yourself in a lot of hurt. Because this is what I know about money. Write this down. Money is a tool to accomplish your vision. That's it. Money is a tool to accomplish your vision. If you see money as a tool, you'll keep your motivations about your money in check. If you see money as a tool, it'll keep your motivations in check. When, when, because I know... I know that money is a tool to accomplish my vision. It helps me keep greed in check. Somebody say greed. Proverbs 15, 27 says this, the greedy bring ruin to their households. Greed is an unhealthy desire for more. And and we're talking specifically about finances. You ever met someone that had an unhealthy desire for more money? More money, more money, more money. Just unhealthy. An unhealthy desire for more money. I'm not saying that more is wrong, Lighthouse Church. I, I, I want you to aspire to grow. I want you to aspire. My, like I said, my wife and I, we have visions and goals for our life. And um, we get to this place, though. You, you've got to get to this place where your tool is accomplishing what your vision is. I think Paul talks about this a lot when he talks about being content. When he said, I know what it was like to be broke. I'm paraphrasing. And I know what it was like to be rich. And he said, in every season, I've learned to be content. We combat being greedy when we learn to live content. When, when we can be content with what we have. See, see, God wants to get you to this place. I was supposed to bring a visual today, but my allergies were killing me last night. And I took some NyQuil at one in the morning and I shouldn't have. And we got to church by the grace of God because I'm pretty sure my BAC was much higher than it should be because of the NyQuil, y'all. Don't judge me. Because of the NyQuil, it was still in me this morning. I totally forgot. But there was this example that I was going to do where y'all tracking with me. It's finally catching up to you. Some of y'all, I get what he's saying now. Um, God wants you to live in the overflow. But the problem is you're never satisfied with the vessel that you have. And so you, when you are satisfied with your portion, when you are sad, when you are content with what God has given you, as God continues to put more into your life, it, your cup begins to run over. But some of you run from bigger cup to 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 bigger cup, and you never get to the place of overflow because your cup never runs over. Overflow is getting to the place where you have enough. I have a vision for my life, and I'm seeing the money, the tool, accomplish the vision for my life. And now that is accomplishing the vision for my life, there is now an overflow. And I'm able to be a blessing to the church. I'm able to be a blessing to my family. I'm able to be a blessing to others. My wife and I, when we first got married, and a lot of you were probably in the same place too. When my wife and I first got money, uh, uh, got married and, and, and our resources were coming together, if ever we had to loan money, uh, we loaned money. 
But then we got to this place where we said, we don't loan money, we give money away. And that's a beautiful place to be. If a family member comes, friend comes, it's like, uh, pastor, I, I, you know, family member, I have a need. Cool, I'm just gonna give this to you. I'll pay you back. No, you're not. We're gonna just bless you with this now. I'm just gonna give this to you now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest, we weren't always there. We, we didn't. We, we newlyweds went through all the ups and downs of being a newlywed. But when we got to that place, we said, okay, no more loaning money. We just give it away. But if we ain't got it, we ain't got it, okay? So don't come in over here knocking on my door, all right? So I ain't got it. I ain't got it. I ain't getting into the, I ain't you swiping my credit card for your debt. <laughs> but we did get to this place where we said, you know, we want to be generous. And, and we, we, last year, my... Um, my wife's uncle, whoo, I gotta be, I gotta be careful. My emotions in a flare up. My wife's uncle is one of the most generous people I've ever met. Most generous people that I've ever met. You know what this man would do? I want to honor him by telling his story. Every time there was a family gathering, every time there was a family gathering, you knew it was going to happen at the, right at the right time. He would very discreetly go to the middle of the lawn. He'd put a ladder in the middle of the lawn and he'd climb up on the ladder and he'd get balls of cash and start throwing it up. And all the kids would come run. He would make it rain. Like all the little kids would come. Some not so little, they'd come too because they're broke. But I mean, he would just like make it rain. He would throw money out. It, I mean, my, you know, and you know what's so cool is like generosity is caught more than it is taught. You don't want to know what my son, I didn't tell him the dudes. You want to know what my son did his last day at L Kids? He made it rain with his L Kids bucks. He threw all his money out to the kids. Where did he learn that from? He learned that from my wife's uncle. He saw generosity and wanted to live generously. Some of you guys, if you don't start living generously, you're passing down a very bad example to your children. And the same money issues that you have, if you don't get them under control, you're going to pass that on to your children. The greed bring ruin to their household. Listen to me, mom and dad. Figure this out now and if this is a cycle that your dad was always broke so now you're always broke and your kids are destined to be broke figure this out we want to stand with you and help you we don't want you to live that way we don't believe that's God's way of managing your finances so my wife and I when I think about generosity I told my wife when my when her uncle passed he tragically passed he was in his 50s and unfortunately got COVID and and the Lord took him to heaven but you should have seen the stories at the funeral people would just start saying, oh, he paid for me. My wife said, he paid for me to get my driver's license. Someone said, he paid for me. He paid for my car. He, 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 he paid for me. He paid for this. Everyone began to tell the stories, and you should have seen how it moved that his children. They had no idea just how generous their dad was. The generosity was off the charts. And at his funeral, it was story after story after story. He paid for my car. He paid for my driver's license. He helped me pay rent. He helped move me. He helped me. It, it, it. I walked away from that funeral. I told my wife, I want to be a generous person. I want to impact families like that. I want to be a generous person. And here's the last and probably the most important thing. I'm going to skip that verse. The last and the most important thing is honor. Somebody say honor. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor is probably the most important pillar when it comes to money because it sets the priority. And we're going to talk all about tithing next Sunday. Pastor Sam's going to come and bring an incredible message on tithing. We're going to give that that's own place. Somebody say honor. When you honor God with the first fruits, we teach tithing and we teach bringing the first of all we have as principle. Somebody say principle. I don't teach it as law. 
Okay, not going to go to hell if you don't tithe. That ain't it. But I will teach it as a biblical principle about money management. And here's what I know about tithing. And here's what I know about giving God first. It sets momentum with everything else. When you give God your first, there's supernatural momentum that comes behind the other 90%. I can't explain it. It's just the way God works. He can do far more with your 90 than you can do with your 100. So, so you honor him with the first. You honor him with the tithe. When you honor him, it sets momentum to all the other things that are going to happen that month. And there's some months where my wife and I, we set a budget. And when we get to the end of the month, it's like there's still money left over after we've put, told our money where to go. And I don't even, I'm just, I don't even know how. And it's just like we take what's left and we invest it. We put it in the savings. We're able to be a blessing. And my wife and I, part of the reason we're not going to be here next Sunday, and I'll just share it with you now because you probably heard about it already, but for the last two and a half years, we've been pastoring this church while living in the South Bay. We live in Otay Ranch, which is a community in Chula Vista. But next weekend, we're moving to San Marcos because we're ready to be up here in the North County now. We're so excited about it. We're so excited about it. Um, I told some brothers at the church, I thought I was going to scare them. Because I told them, hey, if you thought we were busy before, wait till I move up there. We're really going to get busy. I thought they were going to be like, good Lord, what is wrong with Pastor Josh? But instead, they're all, bring it, Pastor Josh. I was like, oh, my God, not the response I was looking for. So you can blame them when we get busy next year, okay? Julio and Junior. I said I wouldn't say their names, but I just did. But anyway, um, but, but, but we're moving up here. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. Jimmy, get up here. I'm going to keep talking. And we're way out of time. But, but in this... In this move, we have seen the supernatural hand of God, and I believe it is because of honor. I believe it is because we have given him our first. I prayed to God. I said, God, if you do this, then I will do this. And you should have seen the stuff he's done. You should have seen the doors he's opened up. And, and, and my wife and I, we, we, we just recently reset our budget because everything's going to change. The whole financial picture is going to change for us. Just with the move, everything that's changing. And I can't help but thank God because I'm thinking of the times, Joanna, where we sat there at Barnes and Noble and wrote down our visions and we wrote down our dreams and I'm seeing it. And, and I'm like thinking, great is your faithfulness, God. You've been so faithful to us. But, listen to me, Lighthouse. I stopped treating money like it was mine. I started treating it like it was God. I stopped spending money as if it was mine to spend. It's his to steward. That ain't mine to spend. It's his to steward. And that has changed everything for me. I just want that for you. I want that for you. In the next few weeks, we're going to be coming with some resources. I bought a book that I'm going to give to you. Actually, I'm going to sell it to you. You guys are like, what? They didn't give it to me? Now, here's the deal. I found that most of the people, when you get free stuff, it ends up on a shelf and never gets read. But I'm only going to charge you three bucks for it. And if you can't afford it, I will give it to you. But it has to be a genuine need. But I want to help you, Lighthouse. I genuinely do. I want to see everyone at Lighthouse Church get into this place where you're living in the overflow. I want to see you living with abundance. I want to see you be able to give out big, generous gifts to the church, to kingdom-based nonprofit organizations. I want to see you be generous with your family. I want you to be a generous person. I want people to look at you and just think, my God. And when, when, they, when one of these days, God, you know, not, 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 not anytime soon, God forbid, but, but one of these days when it's your funeral, I want them to talk about just how generous you were. 
just how many lives you impacted, just how many people were blessed because of you. And I want that for your life. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to thank you so much. Has this helped anybody today? Has this helped anybody today? Right out, I'm in your Bible, Lighthouse Church. I'm reading right out of the book of Proverbs. If you don't like some of this stuff, have a good conversation with God tonight. Tell him, I didn't like that verse. I don't like that verse, God. I want the miracle signs and wonders. But I believe God's going to do an incredible thing. We got so much in store for you all this month. Would you all lift your hands together in this place? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you, God, for your financial provision. God, right now, I pray that every person in this place, Lord God, that we would have been challenged through this message, that we would be stretched through this message. But most importantly, God, we don't want to live in worry. We don't want to live in anxiety anymore, God. We, we believe, Father, that that's not the way that you've called us to live. As Jesus followers, as believers, Lord God, we, we believe that, that you've given us resources to steward. You've given us provision, Lord God, to steward. It's not to be spent, but to steward, God. And I pray a blessing over every home. I don't want to see families breaking apart over money. I don't want to see marriages destroyed over money. I don't want to see children living in poverty because mom and dad made terrible decisions over money. Help us, God, to get to this place where we steward what you have given us. We steward your resources. We're living in abundance and living in an overflow. In your name we pray. We thank you, Father. We live. Come on, let's worship. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.